This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. And now we have a treat for sports fans everywhere. It's really important that professional athletes learn what uh, to say and how to deliver their message. You've got a great first half. Make sure you keep the ball doing the work. We're still looking to get it in the wide areas. First of all, it's the correct stadium design, but also the correct pitch construction. And that clash, that rivalry comes together with that traditional white blocked against that more modern contemporary neon color. All these events live on the programme. We'll continue to do our best to cover sport in the way that you like, backed up by our highly professional team. Grandstand starts now on BFM 89.9. It is time for another episode of Grandstand. Hi there, I'm Ross Rusoff, and today we are going to look at Football Association Malaysia. Yeah. So I thought I thought we get we get the main man in. Yeah, no, not no. That the other one's just got in. He just got elected. So he's a bit busy. <laughs> we we got the next best thing here. Um we we've got Christopher Raj who's an FAM Exco member and he's also the head of public relations and media and communications. Oh, I I that it's too long. It's too long. Hello, Ross Yusuf. How are you? I'm very good, sir. What, what's you. your official designation again? <coughs> Chairman of the Media and Public Relations Committee uh, at the FAO Malaysia. Yes. And this is a role you've held for how long, Chris? Um, for the last one and a half years because uh, as an executive board member, you, are, you have to contest in the elections. And then you got to win the elections, and then just a few uh, things you have yeah, to do. Yeah, and then after that, uh, the president decides on the chairman of the respective committee. So, uh, the media and public relations is one of the very important committee in the association, and I was given the honor to serve the association and the committee uh, after the last elections in June twenty. June 25th last year mm-hmm. So we've just completed one year actually uh, We just had our congress last uh, Saturday Yep yep. So Big party Big party with a new president <laughs> with, a new, with a new man um, yeah. Okay, you were one of two individuals Chosen by FIFA To, to go to Russia and, and spend a month there During the World Cup that just happened recently yeah. uh, Along with uh, Sukidin Haji Mohamed Saleh Who was, I understand is under the referee's Correct. umbrella Correct What did you go as? I went as the FIFA media officer um, This is my second uh, FIFA assignment After the FIFA Under-17 World Cup in India uh, last October uh, and but this appointment has nothing to do with uh, with FAM. Um, this is this is you're picked by FIFA. Yeah, this is picked by FIFA via the Asian Football Confederation because I've always been uh, an external uh, media consultant for the AFC uh, from since 2004 uh, till now. We've done all the Asian Cups, all the age group competitions, and all that. And then um, it's it's through AFC that I was sent to India, um, and then in India. After all the one-month competition we had, uh, they identified a total of, I think, 54 uh, media officers uh, from different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And we had a workshop and a practical session in Sochi in February this year. What, what, what do you do in these workshops? So basically, the workshop, they will, um, they will, they will tell you what are the expectations and then um, the, the rules, regulation in terms of media operations, uh, what are the areas that we need to cover 
and then we do like a mock up in terms of uh, interview sessions you know i had uh, i had uh, paul shoals and i had uh, ronaldino for my workshop oh, not uh, bad yeah so they invite all these legends to come so they basically do a, like a mock up press conference mix zone areas they go through and they see how so you manage the interview sessions and with the tv whether it's uh, different uh, forms of um, news uh, reporters journalists uh, and all that and then out of the 56 people 24 were picked for the fifa world cup uh, in 2018 for russia that that's exclusive that i mean there's so some pride the, in that right yeah of course it was not easy uh, it was tough uh, i mean especially if you do they pay you may i ask Uh, at the at the World Cup, yeah, yes, of course, they pay you a, an uh, an allowance uh-huh. to see your days through. Basically, uh, it's not a very uh, uh, how would you say luxury kind of an allowance mm-hmm. that people mm-hmm. think. Uh, but you know, when you're working for FIFA, it's always the the pride and the honor that you Absolutely. represent. You know, it's a money can't buy experience. You're wearing that badge on your on your blazer, exactly, right? Exactly, and then, and I still remember I got the letter to attend the workshop on the 25th of December 2017 on Christmas Day. <laughs> What a present. So it was a, I mean it was a fantastic uh, gift and but again I was told that you know you really have to work very hard and you know Ross in, in people think uh, like this this uh, this morning I was uh, in another program and they asked me actually How many matches did I watch? Mm. How long? Mm. To be honest with you, I probably watched 10 minutes of each match at the stadium because we are the last guys are able to sit down and watch the game, and you got uh, a lot of things going on. So okay, yeah. let me jump in there and go. Sure. Is that annoying? Because I know you're also a football fan. No, uh, it's not because we know exactly why we are there, why we've been appointed, and the the responsibility that that we take along with us. Uh, you know, um, opening match for me was uh, Iceland Argentina, and I had uh, 1,750 media personnel from different parts of the world. Uh, the media center was buzzing with people. You know, uh, we we went to work at 9 a.m. and we got back at 3 a.m. the next day, and wow. that was our life for the next 35 days, 37 days. And you didn't complain once. Uh, we 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 didn't. I mean, I mean, honestly, for me, you know, I mean, as long I think in life, if you have passion and you love what you do. And I think somehow uh, you will overcome the tiredness and the challenges. So you've yeah. got when, when you run this uh, media center like this at, at the World Cup, you've yeah. obviously got a team working be- be- beneath <coughs> you, right? Yes, correct. They all come from different countries, I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah, so um, one of the successes of, I mean, the success story of the FIFA World Cup is the volunteers. The volunteers who played a big role in ensuring that the uh, World Cup is run uh, smoothly. So I had about uh, 80 volunteers from different parts of the world. And and how did you communicate with them? Uh, well, most of them spoke uh, fluent English. They were from Russian, uh, I mean, obviously parentage, and they spoke and they speak different other languages as well: Spanish, uh, German, wow. Dutch, and all that. And the, most of them were students. And I had two local uh, local media officers, what we call VPOs, venue press officers, mm-hmm. or from Russia, and they knew the venue quite well. Um, and uh, they were there to assist me uh, to run the operations day to day. So the, you're, you're involved in in making <coughs> sure the right kind of press from the game goes out to the world. Is that right? Um, I would say we we are there to ensure uh, the the match operations and the media operations for the uh, for the World Cup is executed for. F- True FIFA standards, you know, 
So uh, it is just not running the media center. We have to conduct the press conferences, the pre-match press conferences, the post-match press conferences. We have a huge uh, mix zone area that all the players have to walk yeah, through, yeah, yeah. and then you have to differentiate between the right shoulder, non-right shoulder. And then I have about uh, my pitch area in Spartak Moscow can only take about 200 uh, photographers, but we have 400 applications. So you have to discard the applications match day minus two no. uh, via the FIFA media system. Literally breaking people's hearts, basically. Yeah, definitely because there's there's no there are no pitches in 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 the World Cup actually can take 400 people. So you know the priority lists are worked out in advance and everything is. Uh, computerize uh, via the FIFA media channel, which every journalist, every photographer can log in, and you get your information from there. You apply for, you know, at the World Cup, just it it doesn't mean that you have an accreditation. You have a seat. No, no, no I, I I I understand. I was at 2006. Yeah. You yeah. still have to apply you for still every have to apply game. Every game, yes, yeah. exactly. And that's why it becomes like a fish market. Because yes, because minus three, everybody is sitting staring at your face yes. at the media center and hoping that you will call their name out. You would have been the guy I was staring at in Germany. Going, <laughs> are, are you looking at me, sir? Are you looking at me? Um, uh, okay, so yeah. you you would have taken all this and all. Is this applied in at AFC, for example? Uh, the systems you, you're talking about, how how, how media centers are, are being run, and, and of course um, in AFC, I mean you know in in confederations the standards are more or less the same as the standards in FIFA. Uh, I mean I've done two Asian Cups. My last Asian Cup was in Australia in 2015. Uh, we have the uh, similar procedure, similar process. Uh, of course, in EFC, some things are a bit more different than FIFA. Uh, very, very uh, practical stuff that actually applies, especially to the photographers. Mm. Uh, like in EFC, the system, the photographers actually can select the seat on the on the system itself. Okay. So when you come to the stadium, you just collect your priority cards. Uh, in FIFA, it's a bit more different, obviously, because in EFC you probably have. Uh, 80, 90 photographers per match, and here you have 400 people. So yeah, the system, slight, yeah, yeah. So it's a bit difficult to uh, cater for everybody at the same scope. Yeah, yeah so you, you, you're pretty good at breaking bad news to people. <laughs> uh, that's the gist I'm getting so far, yeah. Chris. <laughs> Not really, man. I mean, that's where your PR skills comes in, you know. <laughs> I mean, apart yeah. from that, you, you, you also you, you're big in PR. You have a you have a firm that does a lot of work, right? Yes, a lot of. Sports-related PR work. Yeah, so uh, I mean, I I manage a small uh, agency called Shakina PR. Uh, we've been around. This is our ninth year this year. Um, yeah, and we've been always in sports and in lifestyle. Um, is this something you've always chosen? Is this the uh, when you started it? Did you always like think right sports because I like sports? I mean, I you, think a lot of the. F- A lot of the fundamentals. Uh, it all started in FM, and I was working in FM from 1994 to 2004, almost 10 years. What were you doing there? I was the media officer. I was the first media officer of the association uh, for almost 10 years. And uh, after FM, I worked in ASEAN Football Federation. I did work for AFC, and then I took a break. I continued my studies, and then I came back. I was in NST. So it always been in sports, and and I re- I really didn't. Know what else to do besides sports? You know? I I I dig you. I understand so, totally. <laughs> and uh, of course, it's not a very easy decision because you know you people think, hey, you must be crazy. You know, in '94, you want to do sports when you find your uh, maybe some of your family members coming out with a degree in law, or becoming a doctor, or an engineer, yeah, which that, you could have done. That's an Asian battle, exactly. isn't so, it? So you know, people think, hey, sports uh, does it pay? You know, can you earn a living in, in sports? And I think. Uh, 
after 22 years uh, in in the in the field of sports i think yes it doesn't pay as good as being a professional uh, uh, architect or lawyer but it gives me a lot of satisfaction for my soul you know doing what you love and i think that's the most important thing in a nutshell all right uh, our first break when we come back we're going to find out exactly what an exco member does <laughs> More grandstand coming right up on BFM 89.9. Brainy fancy material. BFM 89.9. A view of sports from every angle. This is grandstand. And we are back. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, I'm I'm talking to Christopher Raj who is the Um, head of public relations and the media chairman. Uh, he's also an FAM Exco member. Now, that's what I want to find out. What is an Exco member? What does an Exco member do? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, as an executive uh, committee member, you 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 are part of a council, part of part of a board, and uh, and you are given the guidelines uh, by the association, the statutes of the association. So, for example, um, of course, you have your meetings to be conducted. You, you, um, you attend uh, all the national team matches. You, you are there uh, in FA Monik once to see through that your unit or your department works well within what is given. Um, but I guess for me, uh, as a chairman of the media and, uh, and PR committee, um, a lot of things have I, I've done quite quite a bit of changes in the association. As you can see, the FM Facebook page has become very um, active. Active, yeah. It's become very, uh, very in terms of communication. It's you know it's in and out with the fans. Uh, we 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 engage with the fans a lot more than what it was done before. Uh, we are very active on social media platforms. Um, the 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 media engagement is is fantastic. Is getting better day by day. So some changes has been done and. Um, Obviously, you you have to make sure that um, as an exco member, whatever is given in your statutes is done accordingly in terms of calling for the meetings, the activities, uh, and areas that needs to be worked on. Yeah, yeah. And of course, when the national team plays, you are at the stadium to ensure that all the media operations for the day, uh, you know, your press conferences, your media tribute, your photographer zoning, it all goes well. You know, so it's it's, it's quite a Quite a task, but I'm 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 glad that I have very good team in FEM, uh, good good staff support. Uh, the boys, you know, they just they love the game, they they work hard, and that makes uh, my life a little bit easier. And it it, yeah. it it mirrors sport totally. You need a good team for any sort of success. Exactly. Right? Without the team, you are you are no one. You know, because well, just I one guy. <laughs> exactly, and it's very difficult, especially if you are doing a match. That's whether it doesn't matter if you are doing a match like today. Malaysia played South Korea. You know, there are media presence at Bukit Jalil. The guys were there giving out the start list and getting all the stuff done, giving away the bibs. So the operations is the same whether it's two hundred people or whether we have eighty thousand people at the stadium. It doesn't matter. So what is? I mean, over your years of of overseeing things, what's the worst thing that's happened? Have there been like streakers running on the field, and you've had to deal with stuff like that? No, I think uh, I mean over the last twenty years, I think it, the toughest moment was doing a match in uh, I mean working in a working condition. Uh, I think probably at Senayan, the Bunkarno Stadium, 
uh, which is the most hostile atmosphere. Yes, exactly. There was, I think, in 1998, uh, one of the Tiger Cups. Uh, Who was playing? Do you remember? I think it was Indonesia and uh, Thailand. And I think when Thailand took the lead, uh, and then the crowd just went. You know, uh, they just they just went crazy and started throwing in bottles and bags and stones and everything, and we had to quarantine the team and you know the kind of stuff. So yeah, so I always remember someone was very th- I mean very close to me in football. Uh, he used to tell me, Christopher, if you can do a match in uh, Bunkarno Stadium, <laughs> you can do a match anywhere in the world. And he was so right because uh, it, it, tough conditions, uh, it's very tough conditions. And I remember the 1990s, sorry, 98 as well, 98 Suzuki Cup when the match was between, um, uh, in Vietnam we played Thailand, sorry, Thailand versus Vietnam and none of the teams wanted to travel to Ho Chi Minh to play uh, Vietnam. Uh, and then they turned around and scored their own goal. That's right. Oh, it's crazy. That, I mean, you, you were involved I in... I was at the stadium. So, I, I mean, how do you explain that? There must have been people pressed... Demanding. Oh yes, there was a national blackout on TV. Uh, immediate press conference by the uh, by the interior minister, and you know you got. Uh, now you now got you're a spin doctor at this stage. Yeah, I mean you know, but the thing is, Ross, in, in matches we always tell the you tell as it is. There is no lies to it, you know, because people can see, they know what is happening, and, and you can't do a, you can't do your PR stuff there because you know football is quite straightforward. Uh, and the whole Southeast Asia watches actually what happens. So, uh, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, as we know, the two teams were fined, punished and all that, and, and the match went on. So, I think these two incidents were the more toughest um, scope in terms of working. I bet they were. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't think anything else was that tough as this. So, in if you could choose one ideal event to put on and to oversee, what would it be? Would it be the World Cup final? One ideal event. Huh? Well, my my first uh, my first um, the the dream that I had was to do an Arsenal match in Malaysia. Being an Arsenal fan, and that came through in '98 when we brought Arsenal to Malaysia, the Invisibles, and played a game here. Uh, that I, was I a proper Arsenal that team. Was a proper Arsenal team. Thanks for that. <laughs> uh, for rubbing it in. Huh? Um, I think to do. Uh, I mean, my, my dream probably would have been to do a match between uh, Barcelona versus Real Madrid out of uh, out of the out of La Liga. Yeah, that, that would be the yeah. biggest derby, if you it's like. A, yeah. Yeah. It is tough. It's very tough. It's, it's a very tough match to do from commercial and also from a, from a match organization point of view. Okay, well, all right. Uh, you're representing Malaysia. You're at the World Cup. You're at all these FIFA events. I mean, that how much? Percentage of your heart is thinking, why isn't our national side here playing? <laughs> Be truthful to me. You know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, you you feel it, huh? You, of course, you feel it, right? You, feel it, you, you wouldn't know, be human otherwise. Exactly. You know, even the first day when I arrived at the stadium and I looked at the preparation that was happening, and you know, I had I had to go to the base training camp to meet the Argentinian team because you know. Uh, two days before the match, you actually go and meet the players to brief uh, some of the players. So I had to brief Messi in the number of interviews he had to do, which are the TV stations will be dealing with him, etc. And then, and, and then you're back to the headquarters. And are, are they helpful players? Oh, All yeah. these superstars. Players are, players are very, very. They are very professional. They know what they need to do because the team also provides the training for them. 
so they they are very professional you know i mean we had some tough moments here and there but especially when they lose a match it's really tough you know a lot of emotions a lot of you know and at that time you want to go and ask for an interview is really difficult but most of them get the job done i think um, i i really felt it in the first match you know I, i was asking myself at the tunnel when will i see malaysia here um you know I think it's going to take I mean we all know until we conquer Asia it's it's not going to happen. It's baby steps, right? Exactly. We, we, we need to we really need to conquer Asia first. We need to be in Asian Cup at least for three consecutive uh, editions. We got to win the Asian Cup. And that's what you look at the history of Iran, Japan and all those countries who qualified. They have been champions of Asian Cup. They've been champions of the under 23, they've been champions of under 19. There's no easy Mexico. route. You have There's to do no it. There's no easy route. And I tell you Ross it's getting tougher as years goes by. Uh, it's going it's, it's going to just get tougher the qualifications and 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 all that and then when you don't really do well the ranking takes a beating uh, it's not going to be that straightforward and you know it's interestingly when people ask you uh, where are you from at uh, the world cup and you say you're from malaysia they'll be wondering for a moment malaysia malaysia mm. you know, uh, 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 i hate uh, that i what really what is you, what are you ranked in the in the world you know i remember a guy asking me this the first day of my job i said we are ranked 171 172 in the world I say it is interesting that Malaysians have officials working at the World Cup and uh, this is not something new I mean in 2014 we had uh, 2010 uh, 2006 in Germany we had uh, Dr Winsor John who's the AFC general secretary yeah, yeah. he was a tournament director for the final match you know of Malaysian so you have always had Malaysians there look at Sukidin you know a referee assessor in yeah, Kazan yeah. organizing the referees uh, for the match and That's all that massive massive you know massive and he went in fact one week before i left for moscow so and day in day out sitting in the hotel mm. uh, observing the match analyzing the referee's performance cutting the videos uh, putting it together and briefing them training with them in the morning so it's it's massive you know uh, well i i hope I, i i'm not sure in my in my term in fam and in the years to come whether we can be at the world cup i'm not sure but uh, i hope we get there in the next maybe you know hopefully when we get the asean slot 2034 and etc we hope we can make it because that would be the best opportunity to to make it mm. uh, to the world cup i'm not seeing enough kids playing football you know when, when you you driving yeah. around at weekends yeah. and you yeah. you know what i mean when when i was young, younger i played practically every day yeah. you know until it's time to come in for dinner and stuff like that I think it's also the you know we always get this you know um at the base level we are not having uh, enough players playing. I mean you look at Japan uh, for them to win the FIFA Women's World Cup when they lost the first Women's World Cup they came back and they said where did they go wrong and they decided to you know the clubs were paying the uh, the clubs were providing the training the club buses used to go and pick up the uh, the kids from the home and bring them to the club and train and eventually the women's team went to win the olympics and the world cup and they took them i think close to about 12 years and they invested in the life of 50,000 women football 50,000 young kids and and i mean the german national side famously rethought their whole process after what was it 2004 didn't exactly. they and yeah. we, we've seen how that pays yeah. dividends so my question is why aren't fam identifying what they have to do and why aren't we there yet i think i think uh, i think over the years we over the years uh, fms at times have forgotten the importance of youth development you know a lot of focus were given on the league 
a lot of focus was given on the national team uh, and then you know we had coaches in and out there was no proper system there was no proper structure there was no proper blueprint uh, we never had a good technical director to lay the foundation and say guys look to go to the asian cup this is what we need to do yeah. and we have to start now yeah. and this is what i mentioned to the technical director peter diru in fact last month i said peter we need to have a plan not only for the 2023 asian cup but also for the 2028 asian cup yep. we need to have a eight year plan on the matches that we are going to play which are the team that is going to feature in this uh, which are the players going to feature in this competition and how many matches are we going to play what kind of preparation we need to have yeah so only if you have all this you will know because now we have i mean we're not that bad we have our under 23s doing well I mean, we have yeah, under 19s exactly. doing well our under, under 16 but the moment they get into the national team then everything goes a bit more disorganized or we 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 just not find out where is the the failure what what happens you know they do well in the youth level they come to the senior team they're not doing well so there must be proper findings and i think this is where peter is really working hard to ensure that he's able to put the paper together for the next 8 years um and then we see what happens i think yeah uh, the answer if you can ha- find that in in that paper could actually get us to the world cup yeah, eventually I mean, right for I, us, mean, i think ross If you ask me, forget about the World Cup and look at the Asian Cup. That's, yeah, that's no, I, I, I totally agree. I, I mean, yeah. I know it's not going to be in my lifetime. I'm hoping in my kids' lifetime. Exactly. You I mean, we all I mean? hope for the same. <laughs> I know if we can make it to the Asian Cup uh, continuously back to back for two editions, I think we are good. Brilliant yeah. stuff. Brilliant stuff. All right, uh, our final break. When we come back, the personal side to Mr. Christopher Raj. <laughs> <laughs> This is Grandstand on BFM 89.9. Building fit Malaysians. BFM 89.9. Sit back, talk sports and play ball. This is Grandstand. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. We are back with Mr. Christopher Raj, FAM Exco member, who's recently spent a whole month in in Russia, um, head of media. Well, basically overseeing the the media and and a lot of press conferences and stuff like that. Um, I, I want to ask you. I mean, obviously, on on that last last day, Mr. Infantino made his speech, and he he was talking about Qatar 2022. I'm intrigued. Um, I want to ask first: Is it going to be expanded? Do you know? Uh, no, we 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 don't know yet. I mean, it's I still to be decided. To be decided. I think it'll. I mean, eventually, I think it's the 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 council and and the FIFA executive board will decide on the expansion. But I think uh, if you can see the lines, you can already notice that uh, uh, a lot of countries are hoping for it. I mean, if the expansion happens, then I think Asia will get 8.5 slot. 8.5 uh, 8.5 You never know Thailand could make it Yeah They would be the most likely Southeast Asian exactly. side I mean especially It after you say got that Iran, Japan, Australia yeah. You yeah. got the guys like Jordan And, yeah. and Qatar in, You know being there And then you have uh, Maybe Bahrain uh, You know Iraq for that matter yeah. You know And you look at the performance Of the Palestine team That played in the AFC President's Absolutely. Cup And the Absolutely. Asian Cup So and then you got Vietnam and Thailand from Southeast Asia fighting for a spot. So, you know, it could it'd be great to see a, a team from Southeast Asia being there as well. Logistically, 
Will Will Qatar be a nightmare? You think? I mean, it's it for it's going to be a first of its kind. It's going to be a Christmas World Cup final on this December the eighteenth. I'm actually, I, I I don't know. I, I mean, I I I didn't really embrace the thought of VAR coming in, but hey, it's work. Yeah, you can't deny that, exactly. right? Do you yeah. know what I mean? I yeah. mean, the, the standard of refereeing got better. Yeah. So who am I to say this won't work? But uh, interestingly, did did you? Get a lot of flack when it was all announced. I mean, did, what 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 kind of buzz did you get from the European people that the, they they all moan and for the Qatar World Yeah, no, not really. I mean, uh, you know, uh, we had about hundred and twenty five uh, personnel from the Qatar World Cup working in in uh, in different parts of the stadium. They were there maybe for almost two months to see and experience, and uh, fantastic. Huh? A lot of them are most of them are very committed. And they want to deliver the best World Cup as well, and that's what every host country wants to do. They want to deliver the best World Cup. They want to deliver the best um, experience for the fans and etc. And uh, I was in Doha last year, September, for an AFC competition, and I looked at some of the stadium. They are looking really magnificent, coming out so well. And you know, you never know. Um, given those period of time for the World Cup. Um, you could be probably watching three matches a day, so you could be watching a match at twelve in the afternoon, uh, four, and a match at eight. And all the st- uh, and some of the stadiums are just within the radius of eight to a kilometer distance, which could make it really one of the best World Cups. Exactly, in that you know, aspect, and, right? Uh, so you don't need to drive, yeah. you don't need to take trains and buses, you know. But uh, you know, it has its own restrictions, but. You know, um, based on my ex- based on my experience doing the AFC Under 23 final rounds, they really deliver very high quality um, event management, high quality of competition. Okay, well, you, so, you, 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 so you you've been around the world now. You spent a month in Russia. You've seen how the world's elite football competition is is being put on and run. Yeah. Um, you've even have a, had a look at facilities in Qatar. How far do you away do you think Malaysia is from maybe hosting something like that? No, I don't think uh, maybe 50 years. I don't know. I don't think Malaysia ever can host a World Cup uh, single-handedly. It has to be maybe an ASEAN beat. We've uh, got the geography. Yeah, we've got the stadium. Exactly. But, you know, just having the stadiums alone is not enough because you really got to spend billions of dollars refurbishing the stadium, the infrastructure, the facilities... And then what you do with it after the World Cup, that's what that matters. Yeah. And, and this we can go back uh, into 1997, 1995 when FIFA awarded Malaysia the World Youth Cup and I was still working in FM. I remember uh, my first Youth Cup and uh, we gave uh, the opportunity to six states to organize the World Youth. And you had Michael Owens, Thierry Henry, Raquel all, stopped, May, all, all these playing guys. in Malaysia. Yeah. And you look at the condition of the stadium then and now. Where did we go wrong? Even they didn't even bother to maintain the stadium, you know. Uh, and Shalam is a classic example. Yeah. It goes to the opening and closing. Look at the condition of the stadium. So we just don't have the uh, the states don't have the mentality to maintain the stadium. How how do we enforce that in them? I mean, isn't pride important? I mean, you, you're absolutely right. Shalam was I one of the iconic stadiums, exactly. right? I think Growing from up. a from a economic perspective, it is better for Malaysia to beat for the World Cup together with Indonesia, Thailand, and uh, uh, maybe with uh, Vietnam and make it an ASEAN beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are not far off from all these four countries. We are quite near. We have the 
facilities, the infra, the transportation, and make it the ASEAN joint bid. And ASEAN is a beautiful, uh, beautiful boundaries itself. Uh, and I think uh, putting in ASEAN bid probably will work well for all four countries. And that would be a brilliant one. Brilliant I mean, World Cup. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Exactly. Great food in every country. Can exactly. You that? Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And you can see the joint bid of America, Canada, and yep. Mexico. Yep, yep, yep. And if you look at it, the quarterfinals, semis, and finals are all going to be played in America. Is that realistic, though? You, you're talking here. It's uh, smart. It is, it is a smart move for us because you don't want to spend money, billions of would, dollars, building the stadium. Would we for entertain something like that? Why not? From a, if it makes it ma- if it makes business uh, sense uh, from a commercial perspective, and you know in US all the stadiums are already complete. Yep, absolutely. They're ready made. They are ready yeah, made. Yeah, uh, yeah. Whether from Super Bowl to it's uh, just uh, the Marathon. lines on the pitch they need exactly, to exactly. You know, and they, have, they and they have hosted Conquer uh, Cup, Confederations Cup, all the world events. So stadiums are ready. So you know you get number of matches in Canada, number of matches in Mexico. And, and America will host the, the last round So I think it, it fits the bill quite well Well, we, we, we all, we all uh, cross our fingers and toes And maybe, maybe one day I mean, a joint Southeast Asian World Cup That would be so cool I really. think 2034 is the best time 2034 could be the best tour 2030 is a it's in America, Mexico and Canada Okay, well you and I will yeah. be a little bit older by then Just, just a little bit Yeah, uh, sure <laughs> <laughs> Alright, um the, the other side to you I mean we, we hear a lot about your work I see you at every football match Practically <laughs> In your blazer You're working You must chill out There must be The other Christopher Raj I mean what do you like to do? Do, do, do you like to hit a golf ball Around a golf course? Do you, do you hit hoops? Do you play basketball? What do you do? Do you like to no, box? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I regularly play badminton because I played badminton for school and for my for the state uh, in KL when I was uh, studying. So I played badminton one week, twice. Um, uh, I cook at home. I, I picked up cooking since I was 12 years old for my late mother. So I cook in the house and uh, yeah, I spend time with family. I do a bit of reading. And, you know, the events in the church keeps me busy as well. You know, I also do a lot of work uh, community work in the church uh, we run an orphanage home we have a feeding program for the illegal immigrants uh, for the underprivileged in Bukinanas uh, we have a, a free a Friday feeding program for drug addicts and for homeless people in Bukinanas every Friday so if I'm not in the office I'm there uh, I mean all this keeps me going uh, you know it's a way of giving back to the community mm-hmm. and, uh, mm-hmm. absolutely yeah and my kids keeps me occupied as well I and, bet uh, they yeah. do <laughs> so yeah it's fantastic uh, are, no are you constantly having to buy presents from different countries of the world yeah, I think when, when, when you come back they, instead of looking at you they look down absolutely and, you know, it's quite easy Yeah, and, and all of them are into football my son is into the game my, my pair of twin girls they are also into the game you know they, would they, you encourage them if they wanted to get into the sport because it was different when we were growing up, right? We'd get yeah. slapped across the head, go, no, I mean, going to study law. I, 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 I mean, my son plays the game and, you know, I mean... He if he said, pa, listen, he, he, I'm 15, 14, I, I want to seriously take this up. No, he keeps telling me that he wants to take over Shekinah PR, so... <laughs> uh, <you laughs> oh, know. that's music to your ears. Yeah, exactly. So I said, well, you know, you finish whatever you need to do and then we'll take it as it comes and we see what God has planned and... And we and move along. I think he gets excited. He says he wants to go to FIFA. He wants to go to AFC. You know, I mean, yeah, ten years old, so it's you know, mine is not. so we'll take it as it comes, Laros. Yeah, trust me. I mean, ten, yeah, it, it, within four years, it'll completely change. Yeah, exactly. Yeah? I'm yeah. sure it will. I'm sure. It um, will. Okay, how long do you see yourself 
doing this. That you must have in your mind, right? Listen, by the time I get to 65, that's it. I'm on the beach with satellite TV, so I can watch my football and hear the waves. It, is is there something like that? Is there, is there a, a no, no, never? You know, because you enjoy it, right? My my, my I've got this um, tagline in my office: hard work beats talent, and uh, it is uh, it's on my wall in, in on my glass of the office itself. So. You know, I, I would love to work as long as I'm, I'm as, as long as I'm around. I mean, you know, uh, as long as um, we are healthy and we are able to provide, we are able to uh, work and give back to the community. You know, and share the experiences. Uh, I would love to continue. I mean, you have Tun Mahadev '93 as a prime minister of the country, and and still working at this age. I don't I know. see a reason why anybody. And for me, you know, to be honest with you, Ross, in the family. Uh, in my family, especially retirement or uh, you know resting, is it's a very uh, uh, odd word because you know my my grandfather worked till he was 95. Wow! He he ran a sundry shop uh, till he was 95. My father is 78. He is still working. Uh, so uh, you know it's probably in the genes, like, and that's how we we continue doing what we love, and they all do what we love. Uh, so I'll continue as long as I can. And okay, I, I know one of your other loves is Arsenal Football Club. <laughs> now the new season do, is. Do we need to do this? <laughs> just to wrap things up. Now, I mean, the new season's upon us. You've got your new manager Unai Emery. I mean, yeah. he's taking over from. Let's face it, club legend, right? Yeah. I mean, those are some yeah. big boots to follow. Well, you know, Arsene Wenger. Uh, has done all that he could for the club. Did you want him to go at that time as well? Were you one of those? Honestly, I felt Wenger should have left the club maybe uh, two seasons ago. Two seasons ago, I think when his stock you know, was a lot exactly, higher. You know, yeah. should have just left then. You know, when you won the I think twenty twenty fifteen FA Cup, mm-hmm. should have just left then. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I guess the love for the club he has supersedes everything, and he stayed on. And now with the new manager, with the new players, he's signing. And I think he's he's ready to break the bank account. He's willing to pay, and I yeah. think that's always been Arsenal's problem: not willing to pay. They yeah. always yeah. Yeah. wanted to run football from a financial perspective. You know, Arsene Wenger for me, uh, from being a manager, he was also like a chief financial controller. He was know? like the father. He, you know, he didn't want to spend too much. Exactly. But, yeah. You know, yeah. and I think when you're not in in this modern football, especially. When you're not spending, you're not going to get the players, and and you know you can't wait for your academy to produce the best players in the world to come through the system immediately. It's going to take time. Obviously, you know? you, you want Arsenal to win the league next season, but realistically, yeah. I mean, you'd be happy with what? No, I think if they can finish fourth and qualify for the Champions League, I think it's a fantastic achievement for the for the new season and the new manager. Brilliant stuff. So, where are you off to next? After this this short break that you're on, uh, well, I'm back to the, I, I went back to the office today after after a couple of days and that's uh, not enough. Yeah, <laughs> go. I just can't sit at home. I know my wife said, you know, it's nothing new. You're gonna go back. I know you're gonna go back. Um, yeah, we are planning for this. Uh, we are doing the Malaysian Purple League badminton. So the the planning has to start soon. Uh, you know, it's a four months league. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been doing it for the last four years. And uh, we got a couple of uh, some other sporting events as well uh, happening in the country uh, in the next couple of months and next year. So, yeah, work as, as usual. Brilliant stuff. Christopher, Raj, thank you so much for coming in and, and talking to us. We wish you all the best in everything that you do. Thank you, Ross. Thank you for this time and it's wonderful to be here. Tune in next week for more Grandstand on BFM 89.9.
Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.